Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, April 30th, 2023. Today's sermon is the March Through the Wilderness, Part 2, Water from the Rock. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 17. So one more week. Next week we take the Lord's Supper together. And I've got one more picture of the pillar by day and the, and the fire by night as God led them in the wilderness there. So that'll be next week as we take the Lord's Supper. Um, and then we'll move back into Hebrews and try to finish up the book here uh, in some time, Lord willing, in the summer. But today, um, Exodus 17 1 to 7. Let me go ahead and give you the, the sermon title. We're in the march through the wilderness, okay? But basically we're going to be looking at the, the rock that Moses struck and water gushed out and how that pictures for us the gospel of Christ. So that's where we're at. So water from the rock, to give it a title there. Exodus 17, we're going to read verses 1 to 7 and then I'll pray and we'll get started. So all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin, that's sin by, that's a place, by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord. So there he was commanding them and moving them and leading them, guiding them through the desert there in, in the first two years here. And they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore... The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why do you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you again this morning and we have these words from Exodus 17. We know that in the Old Testament we have the shadows and the types of what we find and what we have now in Christ as Moses gave, struck the rock and you gave water from the rock. So Christ is the rock of the New Testament. He is the one pictured. So today I pray that we would see that. I pray that seeing Christ um, in this way might help us, that he might be more beautiful to us, that we might love him more, that he might increase, that we might decrease. Father, as always, we are, we are sinners, and we need you. So I come humbly, and I pray that 
in spite of me, you would work greatly and that you would give us grace this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today we come to another miracle, a big miracle in the life of God's people there in the wilderness. And so Israel, as Israel continues to complain and grumble about their lack of provision, they find themselves with very little water in this place. In fact, there's not enough water for them, the way I read it, as things were to continue. We're to say there's no water. I, I don't know if we could say that, but there was not enough water for them there in that place, for them to, to camp there and then to continue and, and live. And so they were in a bad situation. And as we saw last week, there was, they were in a position with a great urgent need. And if God did not act, then they would, they would perish in the desert. So God instructs Moses to take his staff and strike this rock at Horeb. And when he strikes the rock, what happens? Abundant water flows out of this rock and God provides nourishment in, in this great miracle and he provides nourishment. He does something that they cannot provide for themselves. Now, <clears throat> we must not confuse this story with another incident where Moses struck the rock a second time, almost 40 years later, right before they entered into the, into the promised land. Because when Moses strikes that rock, yes, water comes forth. But this particular one here... Um, Moses does it in faith. I believe that that second one, he does it in, in more of an unrighteous anger. In fact, God punishes Moses and Aaron to the point to where they are only allowed to look into the promised land and not enter. So they die before they go into the promised land. So we're not talking about that rock this morning. We're talking about the first rock here in the first two years of the desert. And so with that in mind, I want to focus on um, three truths um, and then I've got a number of applications today about how this rock pictures the gospel of Christ. Okay, Now, before moving on to those three truths, though, I would like for us just to consider three examples from the New Testament that show us that Jesus is the fulfillment of that rock. Okay, So I'm going to do that first with just three examples and then we'll move to our truths and our applications in the gospel. So, first example is the most obvious. I talked about it last week. John chapter 4. Jesus meets a woman at the well there in passing through Samaria. I'm not going to retell the story, but he comes to a well. What do you do at a well? You get water. And so, what an opportunity for Jesus to teach this woman the most important lesson that she needs to learn. That this water you will thirst again if you drink. But if you drink of me then you will never thirst again. Here's what he says uh, to her. Everyone who drinks of this water in this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give, so who will give it? Jesus will give it. Will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So that's one example. Another example which I'm, I find very intriguing is the reality of the temple the place where God meets with his people and I believe a strong argument can be made that the garden of Eden that particular garden was the place where God met with Adam and Eve it was the first temple and I, and I think I can argue that but what's interesting is that if you go back and you read Genesis water flowed from Eden 
And it flowed into all those four, the, I forget all of the Euphrates and the Tigris and a couple more that I don't remember, but it flowed from that temple garden to nourish the earth. So water flowed out of Eden. When we come to Ezekiel in the Old Testament, he gives a vision of a future temple when he says water will flow from underneath this temple and it will go out and, and it will just flow and it, it just like a fountain, it just comes. Um, when we come to the New Testament, though, Jesus, he refers to himself in a lot of ways, but he also refers to himself as the temple. Because he says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up. So he ref and there's other places as well where Jesus is referred to, even says, I'm, I'm greater than the temple. And, and so, so in the New Testament, we see that. But then when we come to the book of Revelation, at the very, very end from Revelation 21 and 22, we see that water flows down from the throne and never ceases. It just continually comes. And so this river begins from the throne. And we, if we read Revelation, where is Jesus? He is seated the right hand of God, and Revelation there in 22.1 says that this water comes from the throne of God and from the Lamb. So that's another example of what we see in the New Testament. Final example, probably the most direct statement we have about this, this story back in Exodus 17, it comes from the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 to 4. Listen to these words. So this is the third example. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all into the cloud and they all passed through the sea and they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and they all ate from the same spiritual food. So he's talking particularly about the, the Israelites in the desert with our fathers. They were all there together under the authority of Moses and they all drank from the same spiritual food for they drank from the spiritual rock, that's what Paul says, that followed them. And the rock was Christ. And so, though the Old Testament saints, uh, do not, they didn't have the full revelation that we now have, still, by faith, they drank, that's a picture, they drank of the same source, which is Christ. They were just looking forward because... All of God's blessings, even we sing that song, grace, love, let your light shine. We, we sing that in a little different light. We, we, we're saying we need Christ, and all of that has already come to us in Christ, but we need Him every day for our spiritual nourishment. So those are just three examples. We could come up with more, I believe, that this rock pictures Christ. Now, let's move on to my truths or our truths this morning that will more apply this to our lives. What's that mean for us? So here's number one. Christ ministers to His people an abundance of spiritual refreshment in this life. So God, Christ, gives you, if you're in Christ, spiritual refreshment. When Moses struck the rock, abundant water flowed out of that rock. People drank. Their flocks drank. And all of them, all of them found refreshment from that water in the desert. And so when we think about that, I think, brothers and sisters, until 
the Lord returns, we are, we could say that we are in the desert. Um, <clears throat> life is, as I say this often, and Jimmy re- reminds us again that he's going to die again sometime, which we all are, okay? Um, but life is short and full of troubles. And so when we think about, though, right now, the Bible says we are seated where? Not in the gym, but the Bible says we're seated in Christ in the heavenly places. So right now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. You are seated with Him positionally. God is no longer holding your sins against you because He laid them upon Christ on the cross. And so Christ sits now in the heavenly places. Now... If you are a Christian, you have peace with God. Now, by faith, the righteousness of Christ is yours. And even if, we, if you remember from the book of Hebrews, uh, I've read this a few times, we come, here's what the writer to the, the Hebrews says, chapter 12, which we I say remember, hadn't got there yet, but Hebrews 12, he says, speaking of Christ, we have come to Mount Zion. And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So that's that context there, speaking about the one-time sacrifice of Christ. And so this has already happened, if you are a Christian today. However, we still wait as Christians for our, we could put it this way, for our faith to be made sight. Paul says one day we will see as it, as it is. We are still in, in a war. As far as I can tell, the New Testament is really clear that we are to fight, to put on the armor every day. This world is still evil. We still have to deal with the sins of those around us. I mean, my goodness, even as Christians, how much are we dealing with the sins of those in our own families? How much mess is there? All of us. We know, it's not like, oh, Pastor John don't have that mess. No, we are, everyone sitting here can associate with that you know what I'm talking about we still have to deal with our own sin John Sherrill has to deal with his own sin as Jimmy again made very clear that I'm not perfect either okay so we got those Jimmy's gonna die and John's not perfect okay sounds like one of our elders meetings (laughs) but the point is I'm I'm a sinner and so are you and you deal with it you know you know what I'm talking about According to the New Testament, I think Satan is still prowling about, working in this world, though he is, and in the context of what I just spoke of, ultimately defeated. He is still seen as a roaring lion, 1 Peter 5.8. And so in that regard, we can still say, I know the word heaven, we're not going to unpack that, but we can still say in some way, shape, or form, heaven waits us, okay? We can still say that in a manner of speaking, we are, the road of our life is, is going where, if you are a Christian? Think of Pilgrim's Progress. It's going down the road to heaven. Now, it's interesting that the first Christians were often described as following the way. The, even before, like right when they started to be called Christians, they were called followers of the way. So they're going a particular way. And so we are certainly on the way to a better setting a better place as we await the final coming and the consummation of all things but 
In the meantime, there is a rock that gives water for your soul. And his name is Jesus Christ. That's why we are here today. Not, and I don't presume everyone here are Christians. But that is why we are here as Christians today. As God gave substance and refreshment from the rock at Horeb, so Christ gives his people an abundance of spiritual refreshment in this life. I think of just on, on a hot summer day when the temperature is 95 degrees and, and humid and you go out and you work in the garden for a few hours and you do a couple other things, maybe, maybe mow the yard and you've spent four or five hours working and you haven't had anything to drink. How refreshing is it to come in to the air conditioning and sit down and just have a big glass of, of whatever, warm, without, Kristen drinks her water without ice. I put ice in mine, but just to have a good glass of water, how refreshing that is. Even the taste is good. So is Christ for you if you are a Christian. I mean, brothers and sisters, when we think of Christ, when we read of Christ, when we pray to God in the name of Christ and we consider him and we look at this picture of this rock that nourished those people in the Old Testament, so is Christ if you are a Christian to you for sure. This is one of the things that distinguishes a Christian from a non-Christian because everyone in the world are not Christians. You're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. You're either of the kingdom or not of the kingdom. And so there's, no, there's only two classes of people in this regard. Listen to the words of Paul to the Corinthians. He says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Brothers and sisters, no matter what's going on in your life, my life, we do not lose heart because of the nourishment that Christ gives us. Paul continues here in just a moment. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power. So there's something powerful in the, in the life of the Christian. We'll get there at the end as well. Surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Knowing that he who raised Jesus, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus, will raise us also and bring us into his presence. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And if you are a Christian and you're praying to God, and you're asking for your daily bread, you know what I'm talking about. For this light, momentary, light and momentary. Brothers and sisters, what you're going through is light and momentary. And we're not, most, we're not even going through some of the things that, that our brothers and sisters are going through. For example, in Sudan, as Christians are just being scattered all over the place. And that's just one country out of... Hundreds and hundreds in the world where there are wars going on. We, we can't even imagine, imagine. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. So we are always of good 
courage. And so let me, before moving on to truth number two, let me just say, if you are a Christian, you know what I'm talking about. Because Christ nourishes you. By faith, as you pray, things go on, and you know what I'm talking about. But if you are not a Christian, and you know you're not a Christian, I would urge you now to look unto Christ. Trust that God sent His Son for <clears throat> He sent His Son for you and He died on the cross. And if you will look to Him by faith, He will save you. And He will take your sins <laughs> upon Himself and He will give you His righteousness. So I would say, look unto Christ if you're not a Christian. So that's, that's one truth this morning. Second truth. Christ will overcome all hindrances, so all obstacles, in order to refresh you. This is huge. When we go back to our story with Moses, Moses and the people were camped in the desert. It's apparent that it was a bad place for water. And according to them, an impossible place, at least for them to, to continue living there in that spot. And so it, it's interesting that God, I'll come back to this in a minute, but God led them there to this impossible place. And then he overcomes the impossible, the, all the hindrances, all the obstacles to provide for them. And God has always done this with his people. Now, I could go through so many examples. I've just got a few. Just thinking back, just a, a few times. We, I'll bet you if we count, we can't even hardly count them. We could because we have the scriptures and we have the beginning and the end. And we could count them. But there's so many. I, I think of Jerusalem. There, when Babylon, excuse me, when they, before Babylon, when the Assyrians were coming down, they surrounded Jerusalem and they were surely to be killed. But what does God do in that instance with the Assyrians? He sends an angel to kill how many of them? 100, if you remember, I think it was 180, 185,000 um, Assyrians. That was an impossible place and God did it. I think of Gideon. I've been reading through my quiet times the last month. He just he moves it down from thousands down to thousand down to, to what, 300 men? There's no way they could defeat the Philistines. And the, the, there's just no way. But yet God does it, brings them to an impossible place, and he defeats them. I think of Jesus when the disciples are in the boat and the storm comes and they say, Lord, are you not concerned that we are going to perish? I mean... You think about what's going on in your life. And you think, man, I, I don't know if I can take any more. And, and I know, as your pastor and your elders know, as your pastors, we know. I could call them out. I'm not going to this morning. But I know many of you are shaking your head and looking at I know what's going on in your life. And, and so I know the difficulties. And it may not be so difficult right now, but it has been. Or it's getting ready to be, or it is right now. And and Jesus tells the disciples of the storm, ye have little faith. So we are to continue looking, and God will work, and he will work in great ways. I mean, just the cross itself, it is impossible for us to save ourselves. There is no way if holiness, if perfection, I don't even use the word perfection, holiness does it better. If the Son of God does not come down here, if God does not take on flesh and do what we cannot do. I mean, I think back to our family moving to Russia. I mean, you've heard Kristen's story. The, the first week, we're like, Kristen's like, we're going home. <laughs> there is no way we can stay here in this place. 
But God, in His grace, kept us there for another eight years. And in all honesty, it was easier for me to come here than for Kristen to come back. Just God worked in such a way in our lives. I could just go through story after story. And so I think of some of my most favorite words in the Bible from Isaiah, um, <clears throat> who prophesies, he looks forward that, yes, Israel will be defeated, they'll be exiled, temple will be destroyed, they'll go out into Babylon, but yet he prophesies that what will happen? They will, they will come back to the land. And this, though this seems impossible to them at that time, and looking forward to even Christ, listen to these words from Isaiah 35, just verses 1 to 8. So just try to, try to, try to listen to these as I read them. Here's some, uh, just an example of God doing something out of nothing. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It's impossible for those things to blossom in the desert. It shall blossom, not, it shall, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Strengthen the weak hands, he says. That's to us. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. So the context there again is Babylon. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. There's another miracle. The ears of the deaf unstopped. Another miracle. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. Another miracle. The tongue of the mute sing for joy. Another miracle. For waters break forth in the wilderness. Aren't we talking about water breaking forth from the rock in the wilderness? Streams in the desert, which he did there. The burning sand shall become a pool in the thirsty ground, springs of water. <clears throat> in the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. These words came true with Israel as he brought them back. But these words are still looking forward to a greater deliverance than the one from Babylon. They look forward to the eternal life that we have now in Jesus Christ, that our sins will be forgiven. Do you remember the words spoken about John the Baptist <laughs> and the coming of the Lord? John the Baptist comes as a prophet, and what does he do? He preaches about the one coming. But here's what... Isaiah, which is put to him in the New Testament, here's what Isaiah says about him. A voice cries. This is John the Baptist. In the wilderness prepare a way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This is speaking about the gospel. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill made low. Uneven ground shall become level. And the rough places a plain. The glory of the, of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Patrick Fairbairn, which I am using greatly in these three sermons, particularly with these truths, with these pictures in the Old Testament. But he says this. If God's people but thirst so are you thirsty for, for, for such things that I'm speaking of not just a glass of water if his people but thirst 
Nothing can prevent them from being partakers of the blessing. So whatever you've got going on, if you thirst, if you are in Christ, He will do all of these things. If you but thirst, God will make rivers in the desert. A dead rock will become a flowing stream. And so this is what God does for His people who are in Christ. Fairbairn also says this, How often have the darkest providences... Events that seem beforehand pregnant only with evil become, through the gracious presence of the mediator, the source of deepest joy and consolation in your life. In other words, the things that you are saying is the mountain or the valley or the impossible or the barrier, those very things God breaks through and you look back upon them and you say, wow, look what God has done. And this becomes great joy for you and consolation in the Lord. Here's some applications I have for us. I have a number of applications with this point. Here's the first application. Providence of God may lead you to an impossible place in your life. We must remember, when we think about the story of Moses there, who led them to this desert with no water. God led them there, right? It is no different with certain things in our lives as well. In the same kind of way, you may be in a place that seems impossible for you to recover from. But know this, if you are in Christ, if, if you're in Christ, He may lead you to similar places. But there is deliverance from your current situation. And... And He may, God may actually not deliver you physically from your current situation. But there is a greater deliverance by faith. Now, sometimes He does deliver physically from your whatever it is you're going. Sometimes He doesn't. It even gets worse. I mean, when we just read from what happened with Paul. But He will provide, if you are His Everything you need for life and godliness. That is the key. Sometimes God will even allow His people. He will lead them to martyrdom. That happens throughout. I mean, we see that with all the apostles but one. Even Paul says, I'm ready to go to Jerusalem. To take and do whatever the Lord has for me. He may do that. And yes, He may leave you, and this goes way against the prosperity gospel, but He may leave you in a worse physical state than you are later. We don't know. But if you are Christ's, then everything you need for life and godliness and faith, and you will know, with inside of you, you will be like the woman at the well. Living waters from Christ coming down to you and just flowing over by faith. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this also. No temptation, I think this is in regard to sin particularly, but no temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And so, but I, but I think most important is that Christ is with you. He will not fail you even if God doesn't answer your prayers in the way you might desire. That's why we have to pray. 
God, not your will, but my will be done. Because there are how many things in our lives could, do we want to change physically about our lives? We just start checking them off. <laughs> Check them off. Check them off. That's one application. That the providence of God might lead you to that impossible place. Another app, quick app, these other applications a little quicker. Do not grumble and complain at the sometimes dark and difficult providences of your life. Now, that doesn't mean we, we, we can't vent to God and cry out our heart, but I think this is more dealing with the, the heart. Even as Abigail and I are talking about the imprecatory Psalms, it's still a matter of the heart, the Psalms that cry out to God, God, why have you done this? That is not a complaint. <laughs> but we should not grumble and complain as the Israelites did when they had just seen God work in all these great ways and then they grumbled and complained. So he will still do whatever it takes, overcome every barrier, every obstacle to take you to heaven. And in Christ you are secure now. Another application. Do not forget the provision of the past. In other words, don't forget how God worked in past circumstances in your life to help you get through, just to help you remind yourself that God worked then, God will work now. So even this sermon, may it be helpful to remind us that we can continue looking unto Christ. I think with Israel, they forgot the ten plagues, they forgot the Red Sea, they forgot the provision, and then God does it over and over and over again. We must not be like that. And then another application, just give thanks. Give praise to God in all circumstances. Psalm 68, 4 says, Sing to God, sing praises to His name. Lift up a song, which we did that this morning, to Him who rides through the deserts. Whatever the desert is of your life now, God is riding through the desert. His name is the Lord, and the Bible says, Praise Him, exalt Him. And really, at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about Him. It's about His glory. Even calling Gil as a new pastor and doing things that we do as a church, we must remember God is the one that raises up. God is the one who leads and guides. And God is the one who can tear down. We may be here this week and next week. Who knows what where we will be in three weeks? We have no idea. Those are in the hands of God and we will trust Him. <clears throat> Finally this morning, truth number three. Christ is always with us. I'll be more brief here, but I do have a couple applications. But Christ is always with, with you. He's with us as Christians. 1 Corinthians 10, 4. Paul says, the rock followed them. That is very interesting. He says, that rock, at Horeb, I mean in that picture, followed the Israelites. <laughs> now, this is very interesting because we know that that physical rock it did not move, okay, physically. It, it's probably still there somewhere. Um, but that rock did not move. <laughs> I believe that this is just merely a picture saying that throughout the, all the desert wanderings, God followed them with everything they needed for life and godliness. And He provided them with their, with their, their sandals didn't even wear out, did they? The water came throughout. The manna came down from heaven. The quail came down. He provided it for them until they could then later, right before they went into Canaan, then they could use the land and they could provide for themselves. But God provided. He was always with them and the rock was following them, the rock of provision. 
He blessed them with, with what they needed. And I, I think whether it's the Old Testament saints again, looking forward by faith, or us as New Testament Christians, New Covenant Christians, looking back, God is always with His people through the provision of His Son. All of our blessings come down through the Son because Christ is always with us. I think of the words of Matthew 28, 18 to 20. The very end of that, he says, As you go, go therefore, make disciples. And then at the very end of that, what does he say? And I will be with you until when? Well, the exact wording, I will be with you always. So there it is, to the end of the age. So the point here is that as a Christian, there is never a time Jesus is not with you. Through the good, through the bad, through all things, He is always the same. and He is always with you. Fairbairn says this, The refreshments of His grace are confined to no region, and they last through all the ages. So let me ask, if Christ now sits at the right hand of the Father, how can He be with us today? Well, you know, you know the answer to that. John 16, Jesus, which is, which is new about the new covenant. You know, Jeremiah 31, I'm looking forward to a people where all of them will know me. All of them will have my spirit. And so we are those New Testament Christians. But in John 16, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going away. Okay, So this is before he went to the cross, but he goes to the cross. He dies. He rises again. And he ascends, some days later, he ascends to the right hand of the Father. So he's telling them, I'm going away, physically, in that way. <clears throat> but then he says to them, but you know what? It's better that I go away. So why would it be better that Christ goes away? Well, he goes on to tell them, John 16, he will send the Helper. And who is the Helper? The Holy Spirit. John 16, 13, 14, Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. So today, the water of Christ, who is also seen as a rock, the water of Christ flows down to us, how? By the power of of the Holy Spirit. By the Spirit, you have life. I mean, we just sang about that again in, in that, that song we sang. By the Spirit, you have refreshment. By the Spirit, you have help. By the Spirit, you know what is true. On and on I could go, but Christ is always with His people by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me end, though, with some applications to this and some general applications. First application. We cannot separate Christ from His provisions. In other words, we often, what the world does is the world takes the gifts of, not Christ, it's the gifts of God that God gives to everyone and worships those things and makes those things into idols and separates out Religion, But as Christians, we cannot separate out Christ from His gifts. If we have Christ, if you're a Christian you have Christ, you get every single one of them. <laughs> every, and everything that He owns, and 
What does Christ own? The heavens, the earth, all things in them, everything, they are all ours in Christ. And so we must never try to separate out Christ and just, I think we commit idolatry when we worship the gifts more than we worship the one who gives them. And so when we get Christ, we don't just get a part of Him. There is not some new filling of the Spirit that you need to look for. When you get Christ by faith, by the Spirit, you get all of Him and everything that He, that he has for you. And so my, my encouragement would be, look unto Christ. Again, from last week, give us this day our daily bread. And to seek all the blessings of God in Christ. Because there's so many more to be had. Ask and knock and seek and you will get. That's what the Bible tells us. Another application. We must live by faith even when we don't understand. I think that goes along with some of the other applications. Fairbairn says this, So little, speaking of the Israelites, had they yet learned from the past manifestations of divine power and faithfulness, so much had sight the ascendancy over faith in their character that they even spoke as if certain destruction were before them and caused Moses to tremble for his life. In other words, they were just looking to the things seen and not to the things unseen. So we must never, we must never do that. We look, we live by faith in this life. Another application. The result of Christ's refreshment. So when we go back to the rock, the Old Testament, Horeb, what came there? Refreshment. And they didn't die. They were able to continue living So the result of Christ's refreshment is life. So what kind of life is my question. Well, it is a life that is very different than the life that the world lives. It is a life of of godliness. Christians, brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, over time, the Spirit will work in such a way that you become more and more sanctified and you will be more and more godly. So that's... That's part of this life. It's a life of godliness. It is a life of peace. If you are a Christian, you may not have peace today, but over tomorrow and next week and the week after, and then maybe another day of no peace. But you're going to be a person of peace when you look unto Christ by faith. So it is a life of peace. It is a life filled. We don't see it. We don't tend to focus on such things, but it it is a life of power. To both live in godliness and then even as we go out and as we speak to other people. It is power. In fact, Paul says pray that we might know the great power. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead. It is a life that that always holds on to Christ. So, I don't care what you're going through. But you have you ever come to the point where you're like ready to just think, and I can let go here. I'm, I'm done. Or I, I don't know if I can continue Well, I can say, if you are His, and He's already breaking down every barrier, every hindrance, and I I would say that if you are His, then you will continue. You will hold on to Christ, because this is what the Spirit does. Romans 8, verses 9 to 11. Paul says to those who are Christians, to those who have the Spirit, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if 
Christ is in you. Although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Another application, and then we'll finish. I think this application is just for, first with me, the best thing that any pastor or any preacher can do is to weekly and repetitively over and over give his sheep Christ. Because if all of God's blessings come down to him, then that is what I, that's the best thing I can do is to say Christ is the rock who, from whom the spiritual blessings come, every single one of them. So I must give you Christ. This is the best thing that you can do as well. Parents, to your, give to your kids to give them Christ. It's the best thing we can do as neighbors is to give our neighbors Christ and to look for opportunities to share the gospel of Christ. I had a couple opportunities this week. Jimmy shared, said I had an opportunity this, this week to share. It's the best thing we can do is to give people Christ. Otherwise, how are folks going to get blessings? How are they going to be saved? On and on we could go. It's the best thing that you can do when you're giving counseling sessions. And not everything the world has to give, but to give the person you're speaking with Christ. And then work out the gospel in that, in, in that way, in that counseling session. So at the end of the day, we must give Christ to the world because there is no nourishment. Um, there is no life to be found outside of Christ. So with that in mind, I'm going to finish up the sermon this morning. And I'm going to read from Psalm 61, verses 1 and 2. Probably one of my favorite verses. I think I might have even preached a sermon on this years and years ago. I'm not sure, but I certainly wrote one. <laughs> but here's what it says. The psalmist says, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. And so... Is your heart faint? It, if not today, it will be tomorrow or next week. Then he says, the psalmist says to God, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So may this be our prayer this week and to next week, and may it be our prayer for the rest of our life until we are with the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for um, these, these words. Thank you for your, your scripture um, for us. Thank you for the picture of the rock in the desert. Father, as Christ, as you provided spiritual nourishment and you overcome all, overcame all hindrances as you were with them always, so are you with us in Christ. Help us this week, help us this day, this week to to apply these things in the ways that uh, I've shared um, and so many other things that you may have revealed even in this sermon. Help me and us this next week as we look forward to coming back to, to take the Lord's Supper next week as we consider another picture. And I pray that you would give us just great grace to look under Christ. Give us great humility as well. In Jesus' name we pray.
Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row Inn YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.